0: I'm idle and I don't wanna have to work twice as hard for the same motherfucking title, but I Welcome back, prom party.
1: Dude, this movie is...
0: A lot. (laughs) It's
1: a lot, isn't it?
0: It is a lot. It is a lot. We are kicking off February with one of the most critically acclaimed movies that we'll probably ever talk about on the show, but one that is also incredibly difficult to talk about, um, but one that felt very necessary given what's going on in our world right now.
1: Oh, yeah. Like, this uh, this is one of those movies in the suggestion box where it's like, man... That's a blind spot for me that I have not covered in terms of, like, acclaimed animation for adults. Mm-hmm. Or at least, like, with more adult subject matter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, like, it's, it's, it was real relevant in 2007 to some stuff going on. And it's unfortunately quite relevant to other things going on in 2024,
0: huh? Yeah, it sure is. Um, So, <laughs> so we are talking about Marjane Satrapi's. Persepolis. Um, this is based on a series of comic books. She is very adamant in
1: not calling it a graphic novel, which I kind of appreciate. Well, it's because some people out there are really insistent. I, th- I think it's very similar to people who are just like, "No, anime is for big kids." <laughs> Yeah. Like, remember, remember that thing back in the day? Like, it's graphic. not a cartoon; it's anime. Exactly. This is very much the. Um, it's not comic books. That's superheroes. This is real shit.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I like that she's like, oh, you mean my coming of age story about my life? That's also about dealing with uh, the the hardships during the Iranian Revolution. Yeah, that's a comic book. I yeah. love that. Great energy out of her. Um, Marjane Satrapi is one of the coolest people uh, on the fucking planet. So there's that. Mm -hmm. Um, She also directed this movie called The Voices with Ryan Reynolds where he – is having a psychological break and thinks that his pets are telling him to kill people. Super underrated. People should Uh, watch that movie. You know what? I would watch that. Let's go. Yeah. It's wild. Um, But this is, uh, this is Marjane's first, you know, big movie. This is kind of what put her on the map. It is a, you know, her coming of age story as well as sort of some reflections, um, you know, through hindsight, because, Hindsight is, you know, twenty twenty, and also can sometimes be very frustrating. But this is, you know, her working through a lot of stuff and coming to terms with her identity. And we felt this was an important film to talk about, one, because it's just really fucking good. But also there are not a whole lot of coming of age movies, especially that are dealing with teenagers that are living through a uh, v- very serious political conflict and. Mm-hmm. Um, given what is going on right now with the genocide in Palestine and the fact that so much of it is being documented and we are seeing all of this happening in real time, it just felt fitting. Um, you know, we talked about it a little bit on our little women episode when you know Susan Serena was in the news. We never want to just like shoehorn in messaging because it, then it feels performative. Uh, we want it to feel as if it is, appropriate and that that
1: it's relevant that
0: it's relevant yeah and Mm -hmm. this feels very relevant but you know we i also want to say that you know we're so fortunate to have this podcast and have this platform and we take the responsibility of being responsible with our platform uh very seriously but we're not perfect um there is a high probability that we're not going to be perfect with our information that we're not going to be perfect with our historical accuracy because we're not historians and we're not political scientists. Mm -hmm. So I hope that people can understand that, you know, motto of the show, we are idiots trying our best here. um, But also we are going to be transparent with our ignorance and that we don't have all the answers, nor do we claim to be authorities on any of this shit um, because it's, it's, not our place
1: no we're, um, we're just talking about a movie
0: we're just here to talk about a, a movie Movie that
1: has some some parallels
0: yeah movie that has some parallels um and just know that you know we stand in solidarity um with you know the palestinians and it, it's it's a very fucking shitty situation right now mm-hmm. um and we just wanted to to acknowledge that a little bit more clearer than we did on say our little women
1: episode well it was that wasn't what that movie was about
0: no, that, it wasn't. That,
1: this is what this movie is about in its, oh, in its own way.
0: Yeah, and obviously we're not trying to make like a one-to-one comparison here because that's impossible and also ignorant. But this is still a coming-of-age story. And so if you've not seen Persepolis, here is your synopsis. Based on Satrapi's graphic novel—no, that's not what she calls it. She calls it a comic book, but okay, (laughs) IMDb—about her life in pre- and post-revolutionary Iran and then in Europe. The film traces Satrapi's growth from child to rebellious, punk-loving teenager in Iran. In the background are the growing tensions of the political climate in Iran in the 70s and 80s, with members of her liberal-leaning family detained and then executed, and the background of the disastrous Iran-Iraq War." So, yeah, you know, happy fun
1: times. <laughs> yeah, like, we're a teen movie podcast. Uh, about as p- close to, like, politics as we get typically as, like, election. Right. Or, like, Cadet Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what? Thursday falls on a 4th of July this year, so that's what we're going to get. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's a bit heavier than what we normally get into. yeah mm-hmm. um, Let's let, let's talk about some histories with this one. Uh, this is a large. Uh, th- th- this is a pretty notable film that I haven't seen in terms of like very big animated films that are handling larger scales than most animated films get away with. Mm-hmm. Um, My life as a zucchini is another one that I haven't quite gotten around to. Mm-hmm. Bj, what's your history with this one? Because I know you have seen it.
0: Yes. So I. Discovered Persepolis when I was in college, which was a couple years after it really started exploding in the states. Such a movie to
1: watch in college. (laughs)
0: Well, so the reason that I watched in college was actually because I had an amazing uh, women's literature professor my freshman year, Mm -hmm. and her big thing is she was like, "I want everyone to read more than just like." Austin and Bronte, like I'm going to give you writers from across decades, from different parts of the world. And she assigned us two graphic novels um, in the class. And it was, was the other one. Fun home. Alison Beckham. Oh, Fun home I knew it. And Persepolis. Those were <laughs> her two big ones. And she was actually like really awesome about it because some people were like mm, these aren't real books and she was like you can go fuck yourself they I are like real books, books with
1: pictures damn it uh
0: she was great she was a great professor
1: i i had just as an aside before you finish story i don't want to get too far away from fun home um i had a person recommend me fun home and they were said you can skip like the first 20 pages or whatever like a, a large chunk and i'm like what the fuck is happening <laughs> why would you <laughs> tell me to skip these <laughs> no don't skip them read the whole thing
0: yeah um so yeah we we read it i thought it was absolutely phenomenal and then she was like oh by the way you like movies there's a movie and so i immediately had to track it down and mm-hmm. watched it and was, you know, just blown away because it also keeps in line the same animation style, mm-hmm. which doesn't happen very often. A lot of times the animation changes once it, you know, becomes a movie. And this really doesn't.
1: Yeah, like, it's you, you were saying close. that about Nimona.
0: Yeah, Nimona's uh, style does change quite a bit. There's definitely still... Which is so
1: funny because, like, the movie, I look at that and go, yeah, this was based on a graphic novel, but it doesn't look like that.
0: Right. It's it's interesting. It's, yeah. it's really interesting to see the changes happen. But... Reading and seeing Persepolis was a a huge eye opener for me in starting to really recognize the amount of propaganda um, I had been fed post 9-11 about the Middle East. Uh Uh, It was a huge deal um, because what's interesting is that if you take away all of the political side of Persepolis that exists – this is a story that sounds like literally any other teen movie. A uh, teenage girl in the eighties struggling with her feelings about authority figures, loves listening to music like Iron Maiden and Michael Jackson. She's getting in trouble for breaking the dress code, and her parents are concerned that she's too radical for their com- conservative community. Like,
1: so they ship her off to Austria. <laughs> right. She but goes abroad.
0: Like, yes, yeah, they they send her abroad Listen, to keep her safe. Like that I, sounds like we, a teen movie. We pointed
1: that out a lot on this podcast. Um, we really like to ship girls overseas in like the early 2000s after 9-11, because it was just like, I don't know, like give you a little bit of a a sense of escapism from what's going on here.
0: Yeah. Like it like it really, really does when you like strip away. All of these specific details about Marjan Satrapi's story, it just sounds like a teen movie. Uh, Any number of teen movies, especially from the 2000s. Yeah, it's wild. Um, And that's one of those things that I love about this story is that it's like, yes, of course, the personal always becomes political because she is somebody speaking from a marginalized background the same way that any coming-of-age story about a queer person is going to be political simply because they exist. That goes with any marginalized identity marker. Mm-hmm. But when you, you know, ignore that side of it, it, it really does help crystallize the idea. This is a coming-of-age story just like any other typical coming-of-age story. Just the, the the specifics are different.
1: There's a lot of—I don't know. This is kind of an interesting follow-up to doing the Florida Project last week in which— There's a chunk of the beginning of this movie where she just does not recognize quite the scale or the stakes Mm -hmm. of things. So totally. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that in a little bit. I know you have some context for this film.
0: I do. I have some context that I wanted to bring. So the first one is the title itself, you know, so Persepolis means the Persian city. Um, And it, in this instance means the Persian city. Mm -hmm. Um, So Persepolis was at one point, the center of the ancient Persian empire. Um, It was like, huge kingdoms, it was beautiful, it was wonderful and then Alexander the Great came in and fuck shit up because that's what he does and he destroyed pretty much all of it Um, but despite you know this major city being destroyed and much of the historical landmarks like decimated uh, the United Nations declared the ruins of Persepolis a world heritage site in 1979 Um, so even the title of this graphic novel and the film is evocative of a of a very deep history and it's sort of this idea that what we see now when we visit Persepolis is the result of centuries of both different leaders with differing styles of rulership um, and just the perseverance of the Persian identity it's like this irrefutable history as well as the obliteration of it which I mm-hmm. find like that's a wonderful way to like title this graphic novel because so much of it is dealing with you know her her trying to make sense of her past and the identity and the parts of it that she is not a fan of but also the parts of it that she embraces and wants to defend and how that makes her feel when she is not there versus when she is there mm-hmm. like I, it's a it's a great title yeah. <laughs> it's a great title
1: <laughs> I knew none of that, so thank you for that.
0: You're very welcome. Um, so a little bit more context that I also wanted to bring is that what's really fascinating is that the 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 first book was published in two thousand, and that it really started to pick up steam especially in the West in two thousand and three because then that's when they combined all four of the comic books and just
1: release them in, like, a giant graphic novel form. Oh, yeah. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. And it started getting really popular over here. It started getting added to college curriculum. Honestly, I
1: feel like that's when graphic novels started to get popular in general. Kind of, yeah. Like, I think the 2000s is when, like, that started to be a thing. Like, that's when I think, like, Mouse started to get popular as Mm -hmm. well, in addition to, like, Fun Home and this. Like, I don't know. That was... Maybe maybe it's just that like get Gen X and our generation were like no but I still want to read picture books I just want them to grow with me <laughs>
0: I mean maybe a little bit yeah. uh, I mean because you know graphic novels and stuff they've been around forever but, but I
1: remember them getting very they got really big in the two thousands
0: for sure for sure yeah especially
1: the very political ones yeah
0: so it started getting added to like college curriculums and of course there were always people who called for censorship because. That's just what people do because they're fucking assholes. Uh, But for the most part, the book was pretty universally hailed. Um, It made a ton of like best of lists. Mm -hmm. It it continues to make them year after year. Um, And a lot of people look at it as being one of the prime examples of helping educate people on Kind of the the normal existence of people in the Middle East post 9-11, um, oh, yeah. as well as dispel a lot of the assumptions that are always made about the area. Oh,
1: dude, the fact that like, God, what was it recently? Um, last year, people figured out like, wait, Osama bin Laden wasn't just like this kooky man with a beard who lived in a cave? Mm hmm. Like that was just a, just like, no, he was very well connected and his family is a big deal. He's yeah. not just living like in squalor. Yeah. He's not Charles Manson. Yeah. Like just because so much of the that's stuff, just what everyone thought. Yeah, because that's
0: what we were told, right? Because yeah. the more you other people, then the easier it is to treat them badly. Of course. Um, it's horrible. And like come
1: 2007, by the time this comes out, I think that's when a whole lot of people who had been fed information Mm -hmm. like I think around our age especially I remember watching like the Daily Show and the Colbert Report and stuff that was you know doing some very important work at the time in terms of fighting against George Bush era propaganda Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people outside of those who were like paying attention at the start are now getting disillusioned because it's like well why are we there why Mm -hmm. is this happening a lot of people who were disinterested in reading into it further are now having, like, brothers and cousins get shot. Yeah. And they're going, but why?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's 100%. So
1: 2007, like, this this is definitely when the tides have turned.
0: And obviously, like, this first was published in 2000, which is pre-9-11.
1: Oh, yeah. So, like, but, like it's not like... by the time like, the movie comes around. Yeah. So yeah. it's
0: not like she, like, planned this or anything. No, just it's the, just a coincidence. That's just...
1: A, that's a serendipitous part of history. Definitely. Just wonderful timing.
0: Um, But something that I find interesting but also not interesting Uh is that it has been within the last decade that this book has become more and more attacked and taken from Libraries and oh, well, put we, on banned We do books that with list. everything
1: these days, but that's unsurprising.
0: It really started in about 2014, which is essentially when Republicans started losing their minds about Obama being in office mm-hmm. and started, you know, starting that snowball that has since avalanched into what we're dealing with today uh-huh. uh, in terms of American book bans. It's been a rough 10 years. It's been a very rough 10 years. But I was like, huh, Just look an at that.
1: Unavoidably rough 10 years. Yeah, look at this
0: book <laughs> that for the most part you were fine with, but now suddenly you have issues. Interessante, Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, that's kind of like the big backstory on, you know, this story where it came from, kind of where it sits, especially in Western culture, um, as far as how it has been received in other parts of the world. I don't feel like I have any room to speak on that, so I won't, um, but, you know, always feel free to do your own research on that. Um, but before we go into everyone's favorite part of the show, I wanted to kind of close this On a quote from Marjane Satrapi that I absolutely love, which is, If I have one message to give to the secular American people, it's that the world is not divided into countries. The world is not divided between East and West. You are American. I am Iranian. We don't know each other, but we talk together and we understand each other perfectly. The difference between you and your government is much bigger than the difference between you and me. And the difference between me and my government is much bigger than the difference between me and you. And our governments are very much the same.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I fucking
2: love that She's quote. such a badass. Because
0: she's fucking right. Uh-huh. <laughs> she is absolutely right. Um, so with that being said, it is time for everyone's favorite part of
1: the show. Happy February prom party. Over on the Patreon this month, we have tons for you to look forward to. For the Sadie Hawkins dance, we are covering The Way Way Back, which has been something that's been recommended uh, quite a few times from people I know and listeners alike as a very good coming-of-age story, and I'm looking forward to that, As as well as something that's slightly outside of the age demographic, but I say that these guys have a lot of arrested development, so it's totally fair. We're doing train spotting as well. Higher up in the tiers, we are on our second month of Daria. Um, Unsurprisingly, I really enjoyed the first four episodes that we did last month, and I'm just really delighted by our time and having the reason to go through this. So hopefully you'll join us on that adventure. The documentary that we have decided to cover this month on this little excursion is called Kid 90. It is a documentary by... Soleil Moon Fry, who you may best know as Punky Brewster. And apparently, she just carried a video camera with her everywhere in the 90s and recorded all of her friends and a lot of her life. And it's all about the struggles of being famous at a very young age and uses a lot of what I guess could be described as archival footage of child stars of the time. And I'm super excited to see what that looks like. In addition to all of our bonus episodes, You can find our monthly playlist, see what each week's episode is going to be ahead of time before everyone else can, get access to the suggestion box, as well as hundreds of past bonus episodes that we've done and and playlists and all sorts of other goodies. As is always the case, especially in these uh, trying times, if you're not able to support the podcast, we love you. We just appreciate that you listen and go on this adventure of healing our inner childs with us. If you haven't already, feel free to leave us a review, a nice five-star one if you're feeling so inclined. Recommend us to any of your friends and leave us some comments. There's been a whole lot of people who have done that for our Spotify as of recently. And uh, yeah, it's been really exciting and enlightening just to hear directly from people like that without the need for social media. (laughs) Thank you so much and uh, back to the movie. All righty. So typically I would
0: ask, you know, how do you feel about this main character? But obviously this is the main character the entire time. She's just going through a lot of different parts of her life. So
1: Oh yeah, this is we don't do a lot of biopics on this show, but mm-hmm. there's there's a very wide divide from the where she is at the start of this movie versus the end compared to like Marie Antoinette.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So let's start about you know the, the pre Pre-Revolution, pre-everything, when Marjane is very little. How do you feel about her character then?
1: She's a cool kid. She really likes Bruce Lee.
0: She does. She loves Bruce Lee. I mean,
1: come on. He's Bruce Lee. He's so fucking cool. <laughs> like, I, this is the thing that does, that is lost on some people. But I don't know if some people who are younger realize, like, quite how big Bruce Lee was. Yeah, he was huge. Yeah, Enter the Dragon made, like, 400 million dollars. At the box office in like the '70s or something, which is the equivalent of like two or three billion dollars now, like it is unbelievably successful. Bruce Lee's so fucking cool. Of course, she's gonna like him, and that that really tells you a lot about her specific traits as a as, as a little girl.
0: And something that I love too is the honesty she has about not knowing things as a little kid Mm -hmm. because her parents before everything, you know, kind of changes. They are politically involved. They are educated. They're very passionate people. Mm -hmm. She comes from a very progressive household. Um, You know, they go to parties where they drink alcohol. They openly talk about sex. Mm -hmm. Like, they're, she's got some cool fucking parents. Yeah, totally. Um, but at the same time, you know, she's only picking up little things that she's hearing from them. And then, you know, marching around the house and repeating things. And they're like, you got
1: to shut the fuck up. Dude, like, she know? has like this, this like my uncle works at Nintendo shit. Where it's like my uncle was in jail.
0: Well, he was.
1: (laughs) He was, but like the whole thing is like, unlike my uncle works at Nintendo, which is like such a joke about a thing where no one's uncles generally worked at Nintendo, you just say that. Mm -hmm. Like I heard a rumor because my uncle works at Nintendo. It's like, you're using that as such a thing of like without understanding why he was in jail to be like, look how cool my uncle is. He was in jail. Yeah.
0: Which (laughs) Which I think is
1: so interesting.
0: Yeah, it but like it makes so much sense for you know how she. Portrays herself as a kid of just like not fully understanding the gravity of anything. Which why would she? She's a child. Oh
1: yeah, this is where the Florida Project comparison from last week is, is coming in. Definitely during this era of her life.
0: And I think she's so funny and, like, she's so precocious and has such a big personality. Um, She's so vocal because, obviously, she's grown up in a household where they want her to be independent. And her her parents have done a great job on raising her with, like, all these different ordeals. Like, she was, like – she talks at one point about learning about, like, Marxism and, like, Mm -hmm. all these different influences from, like, Western media. Like, they want her to be well-rounded. And so she is well-rounded, which I think is, like – I love seeing little kids that are smarter than most adults, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. And she very much gives off that energy.
1: Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, she has a conversation with her grandma, and I love her grandma. Grandma
0: fucking rules. Grandma kicks so
1: much ass. Um, she has a conversation with her at the very start where like one of her big goals in life is she basically wants to be a ruler or, or a prophet or something like that, and she lays down all of these like very idealistic decrees like don't be mean to old ladies. Uh-huh. And it's like, how do you plan to do that? And it's like, I'll just make it illegal to be mean to old old lady. It's like, well, you know what, you got me there. I'm just, I didn't think of that. <laughs> and it's just it's such an it's so idealistic and so nice to just be like, here's some things that I think are good. I have no idea what it means to actually put any of them into action. Mm-hmm. But I think that these are good things. It's so pure.
0: Yes. It's it's so wonderful. And I think that setting the stage of what things were like for her as a child is really really smart because the revolution starts when she's coming of age. So her, you know, coming of age experience is kind of running parallel with like massive upheaval in her country mm-hmm. and that's god that's so much for someone to process. Yeah. So it's almost as if it's painting this picture of like the naivete of childhood of like not knowing how bad things are about to get or mm-hmm. how bad they could get because that even happens with her parents and with her grandparents where they talk about, you know, the person who's in power and they're like, yeah, he's corrupt. I mean, this is a figure who I g- can't go into the, you know, the, the intricacies of all the things that was wrong with the Shah, uh, because again,
1: not my ministry, but I mean, we, we get essentially the, 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 the summarized version for kids.
0: Yes. And like every single bit of research that I read had somebody being like, he was a puppet for the U S and the UK. Like, that's what he was. And I'm like, I believe it. (laughs) Like, okay. Um, so getting him, you know, out of power was, you know, a, a big deal. Uh, but what obviously nobody could have foreseen was that religious extremists were going to be the ones that then took control.
1: And there's always going to be ugh. there's always going to be a void at the top when you get rid of somebody, you know. And it's mm-hmm. just a matter of what is what's it going to be filled with? Yeah, hopefully something good. You would we would hope. Yes. But that's always the hope. Yes,
0: but that unfortunately does not happen. Um, so, you know, religious extremists, uh, take control. And then suddenly the things change, uh, those alcohol parties, those become illegal. So if mm-hmm. you're going to do that, you're going to be bootlegging underground yep. basically. Uh, if you want to consume all that Western media, you got to buy it from people on the streets. Like you're buying drugs because. Michael Maxon. Yeah. Michael <laughs> <Jekyll> Maxon, Yeah. <laughs> Um, because that's how you got to get it. Um, and now, you know, veils are being required of Uh women and, you know, that is a huge adjustment for everyone. Yeah. But you know, some people pick on it much faster. They buy into it much easier. Um, but as she is coming of age, you know, she still has parents that are you know, allowing her the space to have like little teaspoons of rebellion. Mm -hmm. Like when she gets her Iron Maiden record. Yeah, you can listen to that in your room, but listen to it in your room. Yeah. Kind of thing.
1: No, I get it. Um, I think that this is something that the people in our country are not really used to because we don't have this kind of like sudden political upheaval in in the United States. Mm -hmm. Like big changes don't tend to happen in our country wars don't aren't fought really on our soil not certainly not since like the civil war has that happened Mm-mm.
0: um i mean we could make the argument that like we do with our own police but that's
1: not w- not, a, lit- by not its, a literal war yeah
0: by its defined state Correct. doesn't happen on our soil
1: yes and even in the case of that that is not a drastic change that's the way things have always been mhm so i think the sudden change of this is just particularly stark through western eyes
0: definitely um because it is something and and that's kind of why i think this does relate to what's going on right now is because now that we have things like social media all of the typical practices that governments put into place of like oh a president's uh approval rating is going down let's start a little war and then people are going to be on it that people are disillusioned with that they don't buy into that shit anymore Mm -hmm. but also all of the like we're going to shut down the newspapers we're going to kill journalists we're going to do all this stuff so that people don't know the real information that doesn't that that reality doesn't work anymore because Mm -hmm. everybody has a camera in their pocket Mm -hmm. they can show us what's going on we do see what's happening you know the ways that you know government officials or official government Twitter accounts like to be like hey here's a thing that happened people can fact check it in real time and cross reference with you know other footage that's being released by not official government social media accounts so we know immediately when people are full of shit and it's it would be funny if people weren't dying but Uh like it's it's like funny in the sense of like did you do you think we're all that stupid like, do, do people think some we're people that are. stupid? And, well, true,
1: some people are. I mean, are. We're, we're working off of what is very clearly incomplete information just in general, but we know genocide's bad. Right. At the end of the day, you can think whatever you think about whatever, but you know what? Just murdering a whole lot of people who had nothing to do with things, that's bad. Yeah, it's fucking I bad. I think that's pretty, that's pretty cut and dry.
0: Yeah. God. Um, So there is an article that I'm going to reference throughout this from the website What's on Australia, um, where they're talking about uh, Persepolis and how Marjane Satrapi has talked about how she did not intend to write uh, what was like intentionally a political story, but just acknowledging that, yeah, my life because of when it happened it's in it's going to be intrinsically it's heavily, linked it's
1: heavily influenced by politics, <laughs> With at politics. The time. Yeah. yeah and
0: it's like and you can't you can't separate those two which i really like um, so w- In this article, they say, you know, in the theocratic state, the Islamic Republic of Iran is established and with it a a period of brutal oppression. Arrest and torture faced those who opposed the new order. Rights and freedoms, especially women's, were curtailed. Universities were purged of descendants. Newspapers were monitored and closed. Drugs and sexual offenses were punishable by death. And as Margie explains, we all lived in fear. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that is so... Real like there's no way to put it like that is a reality when someone says like I lived in fear or like we all lived in fear, that there's weight to that mm-hmm. that I think is easy for people to disregard because we can make jokes like oh, you scared me, you know yeah but when people say like oh, we lived in fear like they they mean that. they mean that that's scary shit. yeah. and when you are coming of age when you are scared, that is such a mind fuck because your brain is spending so much time and energy trying to keep you safe and keep you on high alert that you're going to struggle with emotional regulation. You're going to struggle with a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, and you're going to start like those emotions are going to come out in a lot of different ways. And we start to see that a little bit mm-hmm. with, you know, her feelings about rebellion like you know she makes her little like punk is not dead jacket to yeah. wear with her school uniform and it's like that's so badass and so cool however comma you could be killed for that like yeah. that's not an exaggeration that's real and when you think about it in those terms it's like ha <laughs> like really that's the only noise i can make
1: for it i i want to talk later on about the the punk rock of this movie Uh, And what real punk is, but something that I have been reading a lot about recently is to be paralyzed uh, by being forced to uh, engage or look at graphic imagery Um, like something that's going on right now is obviously because of social media. Uh, as you were talking about, like it could just be uploaded by whoever and you can just see terrible shit that's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, if you force people to look at it, cause it's like, you have to know you have to see this. They are so traumatized by being forced to see those things that it actually makes them more politically inactive.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And what if you're living it mm-hmm. and you're young? Like mm-hmm. that's so many things. The fact that like, she's, wants to be like punk and badass, or at least, you know, her idea of what punk is. The the fantasy of what punk is, mm-hmm. especially at the time, because like this is punk's still very new. Mm-hmm. Um certainly like she's into things that are tougher than the Bee Gees and Abba. Right. Which is such which is such a fun school scene I love where it's like, no, Abba's weak. <laughs> but it's like I like the Bee Gees. And I'm like, oh man, the Bee Gees go hard. <laughs> um I don't know. I just think that it makes it so much more awesome it makes it so mm-hmm. much more um so much more genuinely punk so much more of like a badass little girl mm-hmm. um, when you think about it in those terms Oh
0: definitely and you know this also is where I think the this is also where I think the animation really sings because when she wears the jacket and she is confronted by two older women who yell at her and they like point at her Michael Jackson pin and they call it a thing like a sign of Western decadence. Yes. Which like on its face is funny, but also like is very scary when uh, you know. That's a
1: thing that people believe. Yes, Yeah. They're
0: very serious about it. Yeah. And the, because the animation they like kind of
1: slither, These women and then, like, the nuns in Austria, they all like float and slither and they're scary.
0: Yeah. So it's fascinating because two things are happening is that one, the art style that she uses uses like very simplistic features. And there have been studies that prove that when you use simplistic features, on characters it makes it a lot easier for people to see themselves in these characters Mm -hmm. so you can then immediately like empathize of like oh i can be in this situation i know what it was like to have worn an outfit that somebody said was bad you know whatever whatever god
1: we love simplicity yes i love mona
0: (laughs) so can you explain what you said
1: (laughs) uh BJ and I have been watching a lot of Nana Land lately because <laughs> Mona is like one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. I love her,
0: but she, the, but the characterization of Mona is simplistic. She's just and it's a, a
1: happy face,
0: and it's effective. I just love because watching that. her
1: face go nuts, and I go, "Oh, that's relatable." <laughs> Look at Mona.
0: But that's ex- like it sounds silly, but that's it's the same thought it's process. It's true. Yes, it's the same thing. And then so then what you end up having is when you have you know the the women that are in like you know head to toe covered and the only thing that you can see is like the little window of their face and the rest of their body is kind of presented as just like a solid black blob when they're surrounding her character it makes it feel so much more oppressive mm-hmm. like the way that the the art style of this is utilized is really, really brilliant because we know immediately like how Marjan is feeling in this moment, like as it's happening. And I think also the parallels, because I'm glad you pointed out the nuns in Austria, the parallels between like the nuns and then the women that are harassing her in Iran, Mm -hmm. like they do have very similar art styles. It's another one of those like parallels of like, look, we're not so different, which I find fascinating. And she's again, brilliant. She's Mm -hmm. so brilliant. Mm Um, But, you know, there are all these like little moments that she's dealing with of like people yelling at her or her mother on the street. Um, The moment where her mom snaps like at the grocery store and like yells at people, even though like they could have absolutely like, again, been killed in that moment Mm -hmm. because her mom like couldn't handle it and
1: defended herself. You can you cannot be a mouthy woman in this in this time. No. And so
0: like it's really fascinating to see that world and because it's presented with animation i think you know there's a little bit of distance because it's not it, it, like it's real but it's not real like it doesn't look like humans we can disassociate and know this is it, animated this is a it's cartoon it's not
1: gratuitous yes um i think that that's very similar to okay so the i was trying to figure out if there's anything quite like this movie in terms of like reflecting on like your youth there's like only yesterday by ghibli mm-hmm. um but i think the best version would be like something like Millennium Actress. Oh yeah, yeah. From Satoshi Kon, which is about a um a woman who, you know, in the early stage of the movie is dealing with like the World War era of Japan and that I think is maybe the closest thing to what this is doing, but it still has its own very very different flavor. And that's that's why like this is so wholly unique mm-hmm. and I think it being animated is like really really important mm-hmm. because like those ones are based so much more in like realism mm-hmm. or at least like an anime aesthetic which is closer to real than this mm-hmm. um, I think that this being what it is and being significantly more heavy than either of those mm-hmm. um, especially only yesterday It definitely makes it quite a bit more digestible. And I think it comes back to that. This is that thing you were saying towards the start of the episode, which is it's just a normal coming of age story. It just happens to take place during this time and in this environment.
0: Well, and another thing, too, and this is kind of like an ugly truth that I think people don't want to talk about. I think if this were to have been done in live action and it would have been, you know, about her story and we would have seen people. In hijabs, uh, I think a lot of people would have checked out and not actually pursued it or watched it Yeah, because I agree with that. they would have been like, "Oh, that's not a movie. That's not for, for me." me. Yep. yep, it's it's the same struggle that we have with any sort of film that is intentionally about a specific identity uh, oh, well, intersection.
1: Pe- people will be like that's no you know that's black cinema that's not for me or this is queer cinema that's not for me.
0: Right. And it's like and it's for everybody and you should watch it. But yeah. okay. Yeah. Um so I you know I again I think that the animation works to the benefit um but going back to this what's on article um, it says, acts of female rebellion are common in Iranian cinema. To watch Iranian women challenge authority is to also watch them challenge the conventional views in the West of them as subservient and exploited and little else. Margie struggles with the way that the world seeks to remake her but remains fearless, arguing with teachers and authority figures even when it puts her at risk. Persepolis, like so many of the best films made by Iranian filmmakers from home or in exile, shows that the reality of women's experiences are far more interesting than the stereotypes would suggest.
1: Oh, of course. Which I agree completely (laughs) because,
0: uh, like, you know, going back to the point that I made earlier of how this is kind of this, this book and then the movie challenged a lot of the views is because I was, you know, 17 18 years old when i first learned about this oh yeah that's you know six seven years fresh out of 9 11 where i had just been pummeled for decades about like oh my god it's so oppressive over there we need to radicalize and we need to save all of these women oh my god and then you read this and it's like no they were doing it just fine shut the fuck up you white save your dumbass. like you i mean some americans that. don't even
1: know that they have like large cities they're just like right. oh no everyone lives in in a tent
0: Right, because Americans in the, are, in in the so middle dumb. of the sand, like we're so stupid. Like yeah. I can't. There are obviously plenty of wonderfully well-educated people. But by and large, bunch of but dumb there's a dumbs. bunch of
1: fucking stupid people. Bunch of fucking. We're a dumb country. <laughs> we're a dumb, self-centered fucking country. <laughs>
0: For real, though. But you know, her parents obviously recognize that you know her rebellion one is de- like literally dangerous for her Mm -hmm. um but they also don't want to stifle that so they're like we gotta send you somewhere safe yeah i mean like
1: i think that they recognize that if they stifle it it'll break her yeah like this is how she is coping with everything Mm -hmm. um so i actually think that this is an interesting thing to think about where when i lived in cleveland when when we lived in cleveland but you know for me um i had a bunch of fucking like Very radical attire I had. Like I had a fucking camel vest with spikes on it that said fight like a queer on the back and shit like that. Because I was like, when people come into my bar, I want them to know what the fucking deal is. Mm -hmm. Because these very political, like aggressive statements in terms of fashion, the first thing someone sees. When you're in a more hostile environment like Ohio, that matters. I feel like if I wear that in California, it's kind of like, what are you rebelling against? Mm-hmm. Like it just feels like okay, cool because mm-hmm. people are not so ag- actively and aggressively hostile
2: mm-hmm.
1: here they have uh they've learned how to be clever about their hostility mm-hmm. um, They've learned how to do it with their pinky out mm-hmm. and that is I think the, the 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 big change between where she grew up versus Austria
0: definitely. And so when she goes to Austria, she does have a bit of an identity crisis, which I think is completely understandable because we know her at her core to be a rebellious little punk for Mm -hmm. sure, but she doesn't look that way. She doesn't fit the... The punk uniform. Oh, the, so to these, speak.
1: These Austrian punks. So she, you know, she. Fuck them. She falls in with the the Austrian punks because, like, they're the closest thing you have. Like, it's like when you make friends in school because they're the people you can stand to be around, mm-hmm. but you know, you don't actually like them, and that's why when you graduate high school, you don't ever talk to them again. Yep.
0: And she even like calls it out where they'll be like hanging out in the woods or something, being rebellious. And she's like, "What are they rebelling against? What are they? Right? What are they even like? Have?
1: They They are so interested in her because she like grew up through a revolution. Because like she is like uh, I don't know this novelty to them, and so they're like, "Yeah, we want to hang out with you." And she she eventually gets fed up with their nonsense. Mm-hmm. But like that's what most of a lot of punk rock lore and mythology is. Yeah, like it was founded. You know, on the idea of DIY, on the idea of doing something counterculture, but at the end of the day, like, it got popularized because of a lot of people who liked the aesthetic, like the fucking Sex Pistols, the, mm-hmm. you know, the boy bandification of them as a band. Yeah. Like, The Great Rock and Roll Swindle is a fascinating movie, not because it's punk as shit, but because it completely destroys their mystique and they're involved in destroying their own mystique. Mm-hmm. That shit's hilarious. mm mm-hmm. um, Yeah, like, these guys, like, like, this is just a fantasy of, like, yeah, I'm rebelling against something because mm-hmm. you're mad at everything, uh-huh. but you're not doing shit. Right. That is these kids. Yeah. They sit at home and they, like, just smoke and piss and moan about how, like, the world is unfair and they have no concept of it. Right.
0: Well, and so something else that they do is they are both fascinated by her and and like absolutely tokenize her experience because her,
1: oh do they ever. like
0: because her her uncle is executed and when they find out about that they're like what and like so weird to her about it but at the same time because she does still wear traditional dress they also think that you know well that's weird isn't that repressive isn't that whatever and it's like no mm-hmm. like that's not how she feels about it um I just find that fascinating
1: mm-hmm no, I I completely agree. I don't know, like, what's well, fucking joke from Return of the Living Dead? It's like, not a fucking costume. It's a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Like, no, it's a costume. Mm-hmm. So many people. It's just like you have an idea of what it is. You wear your your pelt, plaid pants with too many zippers, and you wear your cut off denim jacket with some spikes on it, and then some back patches. Like, whatever it is, it's a costume, and like that's mm-hmm. fine. It, I I don't think that's inherently a bad thing, but it's not rebellious at this point and it really wasn't rebellious for more than like six months mm-hmm. because at some point once everyone starts looking like every other punk it's a dress code it's not a revolution
0: yeah and I mean throughout her time in in Austria it's not great um I oh, know she has a miserable time she has a miserable time you know what I would do yeah <laughs> I can like she's struggling with her with her identity in terms of you know, feeling the way she does about her country but while also being critical of it. The fact that, you know, people use her um in mm-hmm. ways that are not cool. She ends up living on the streets for a bit. Well, she
1: ends up with some – she gets involved in some, with some men, one of yep. which is gay. And he's like, I love you so much. And if I don't like having sex with you, I'm clearly gay. <laughs> and she's like, I loved him, though. <laughs> I thought he was the one. And she ends up with this other boy, this little presumably blonde boy. It's black and white, but he seems blonde. Mm -hmm. And she is like head over heels for him. She loves him. And then... She catches him cheating,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and her reflecting back on that moment is like he's a fucking goober who eats his boogers. It's
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just so like I. It's I love like you know it's open to interpretation whether he always was actually like that or if she had rose colored glasses
2: uh-huh. and,
1: and that like that kind of masqueraded it or if like you hate him so much that he's just like retroactively hideous in comparison. Yeah,
0: and and <laughs> like
1: it's such a great. Just all around teenage thing,
0: and so she ends up, you know, she ends up living on the street, and she gets really, really sick and has to be hospitalized. Like bronchitis, she has bronchitis. She almost dies, and she has this line that I'm gonna be misquoting, but I am like, I love it so much, where she talks about how, you know, everyone in her family that either has died or almost died, it's because like they were standing up for the revolution or they were fighting the fight. I almost died because I got my heart broken. What the fuck is wrong with me? Mm -hmm. And I love that because on one hand, it definitely shines a light on the way that we absolutely tragedy spar with ourselves and think that we don't
1: deserve to feel the big feelings we have because, Oh, they could be worse or, oh they could be whatever the, the, the horrors of the world right now are really upsetting me. But like, I have it pretty okay in my comfortable spot over in North America. Right. Like, I am not actually facing the trouble, but, you know, it's still a lot to deal with.
0: Right. So, yeah, two things are happening is that on one hand, she is recognizing how severe these feelings are that she almost died over them, Mm -hmm. but it's also a very good reality check for her of, in the grand scheme of things, this isn't as bad as it could be. I'm. I should be very fortunate that I got through this. Let's move forward.
1: Yeah, this is like the first big emotionally despondent part of her life. Mm-hmm. So she decides I'm gonna go home. She does. I, so she... I miss my family. I miss my 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 home. I miss everybody. And I am I am not French. God damn it. Yeah, she does. When she's in Austria, she tries to lie and say that she's French um,
0: because you can tell she feels a little bit ashamed. Of where she's from. She, but she
1: just wants to not feel othered, I think.
0: Yeah. And then eventually she's like, nah, fuck it. Y'all need to know I'm I'm from Iran and I'm proud of it. Mm-hmm. Shit. Which I, I love. So
1: she goes home and uh, immediately is disenchanted.
0: Yes. But something that I very much appreciate about everyone in her family is she has one rule when she comes home. And it's nobody ask me about what happened in Austria. Yep, don't
1: ask me why I'm coming home.
0: And no one asks. Mm-hmm. They, they respect that, which I think is really awesome because Mm -hmm. we see we see as a trope in teen movies all the time parents say things like you can always call me no questions asked if you're ever feeling unsafe you can call me no questions asked i'll Mm -hmm. come get you and like nine times out of ten they ask and so seeing and this is obviously a much bigger scale than just i was underage drinking at a party like this is mom they're drinking can you come get me massive scale and they respect her wishes and they don't ask. Yeah. And I like I love that.
1: I love that so much. I love her whole family dynamic. I love her parents. Um, one of the sweetest moments in the whole movie for me. So when she's in Austria, she like goes through a growth spurt and kind of becomes, you know, a woman. Mm-hmm. And when she comes home, like her parents are waiting for her at the airport and she's like looking at them and they catch a glance and then they look again and like, oh, fuck, that's our kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, It's so sweet. I love it so much. Yeah.
0: It's really beautiful. And kind of the montage of her growing is wonderful because
1: everything is over exaggerated. It's over
0: exaggerated, like a fun house mirror. Um, But back to your point, you know, she she gets back to Iran and she's immediately disillusioned with everything because now she has to come to terms and live what she had only been hearing about. Oh, yeah. For a while. Yeah. Um, And that's a lot. But luckily for her, grandma's always in that back corner. Yeah. Grandma is grandma
1: gives no fucks. Grandma gives no fucks. Grandma gives everyone the sauce. Um, I love her.
0: Yeah. Like, she gives her a, a line of advice that's like, keep your dignity and stay true to yourself, which I think mm-hmm. is evergreen advice for anybody.
1: Yeah. Also, like, the the way that she specifically remembers the smell of, like, jasmine flowers when she associated them with her grandma,
2: mm-hmm.
1: because grandma always is like, Grandma, why do your boobs smell so nice? And she goes, because... I put jasmine flowers in my bra, and I keep my boobs perky by putting them in ice water for ten minutes every day. <laughs> and I'm like, the grandma's so much fun. And that she's is so such great. like
0: a grandma thing to oh, do. Oh, it's like what's
1: well, such an old wives' tale kind of thing, you know? It's like, don't crack your knuckles, you'll end up with big knuckles. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I, I don't know. I just think she's great.
0: My smell association with my grandmother is uh, the combination of Dial Gold Soap. Mm -hmm. and the specific scent of the wicker wood used in Longaberger baskets. Oh, your
1: grandma had so many baskets.
0: Because she had so many baskets that it made her apartment smell like that
1: wood. It's so weird to me that your grandma loved Longaberger baskets because I always associate that with such an Ohio thing because we have... Because
0: it's from Ohio. We have
1: the Longaberger basket building where it's a giant building that's shaped like a big basket. Yeah,
0: she was hardcore into it and she had so many of them and so her apartment or her condo smelled like the baskets and then she always had way too strong gold dial soap of every single soap in there that's
1: such an old lady thing of mm-hmm. can smell? like i think that's so funny because my grandma didn't have a sense of smell
0: what oh that's right you have told me this.
1: like it just went away i don't i don't know if she ever explained to me why but like she just couldn't smell things and um yeah, it worked real well when she was driving bus because, like, someone would be like, Ew, Bobby's farting. <laughs> and she'd be like, I can't smell it. <laughs> so, I'm like, my grandma didn't really have sense because she couldn't smell it. That's so funny.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> this is going to be a, re- a really horrible transition. Uh, but she gets Great. so disillusioned with Iran uh, that she... Does attempt to take her own life.
1: Uh, Yes, she gets extremely depressed Yeah, um, and then goes to goes to therapy and um, yeah, the therapist is just uh, not helpful and gives her drugs and they don't help. And then you get this. uh, It seems like it's kind of out of nowhere, but I'm like, no, this is this is right for the time period. Uh, It's a sick montage set to Eye of the Tiger.
0: (laughs) Yeah. She waxes her legs. Uh, she gets you know real hype, uh, which I <laughs> I quite like. Um, she starts going to university, uh, and then she meets Riza, um, starts dating Riza, and uh, she has some some run-ins with the law in, mm-hmm. in dating him. Uh, the first one, they hold hands. well, they hold hands, but the first one is uh, she you know she wears makeup, mm-hmm. um, and then lies and says that somebody was like
1: looking at her mm-hmm. uh, to try to like you know. Oh, dissuade grandma hates that grandma is pissed. oh grandma is like how fucking dare you just like throw it like granted the dude was like looking mm-hmm. but he wasn't being overtly creepy mm-hmm. and it's just like how fucking dare you like send that innocent man to his doom
0: yeah this is like the real like you know keep your integrity stay true to yourself kind of line because she's like your grandfather and your uncle died like don't do that shit It'd be ashamed of you right now yeah um so, you know, she, she continues going to school, though, and, you know, she's still she, – she's towing lines. She's pushing envelopes. Oh,
1: there's, like, a – I don't know, like, a meeting about the girls needing to change their dress code because it is looking a little too provocative. And, like, when you run – ma'am, don't run. When you run, your backside moves too provocatively. <laughs>
0: don't look at my ass. <laughs> like, it's shit like that.
1: um But, yeah, no, she gets up and is like, how fucking dare these guys? Like, very classic – um feminism which actually holds way more weight than like when you see a lot of examples of it over here where it's like no men just shouldn't look at us like it should be on them why can't why don't they have a strict dress code so that we don't get horny looking at them Mm -hmm. yeah no there's weight to that in the 80s over there yeah
0: yeah Um, you know and then like you said she and Riza hold hands Uh, they get caught they uh, both of their families are fined because of it Mm -hmm. eventually they do marry um But then they divorce and... Oh,
1: their marriage falls apart like immediately.
0: Yeah, he sucks. I hate him as a husband. Uh, I also found, and this made me kind of laugh, is that when you look up Marjan Satrapi, like she's a public figure. So normally all of the information will come up about like who they were married to, if they have any kids, where they live, all Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, He's not listed in her like list of people she's been married to. Really? I think kind of rules. (laughs) It's only her current husband, which I think is great um but yeah they divorce but before they make that finalize she has this amazing conversation with her grandmother where she's just like crying and she's like i i think we're gonna divorce and grandma's like that's it i thought someone died that's nothing who cares oh my god
1: grandma has like the best advice just in general but especially here where it's like you're not upset that your marriage is ending you're upset because you made a mistake like it's so good fuck because, grandma's the wisest person ever
0: <laughs> because she's so right it's like you're not actually upset that you're divorcing this guy you're just you're upset. not gonna miss
1: him yeah, don't lie to yourself yeah
0: you're just upset because you think it, you're supposed it to it means you it means you made a mistake and you shouldn't have married this guy and that's a hard thing to, well, to especially because
1: mom didn't want her to get married like at, mm-hmm. at the wedding it's like you're 21 and you're getting married and I wanted better for you and it's like mom trust me it's gonna be okay and then like cut to a year later and it's like oh it's not okay no she's fucking they're getting miserable. into petty squabbles because it's like I can't find my key they're in my pocket Ugh, shit
0: god yeah he's watching
1: terminator 2
0: he is watching terminator 2 that is true sick <laughs> the, he gets a point for that good taste that movie yeah. rules i mean
1: everybody <laughs> likes terminator 2 come That's on true. who doesn't like terminator 2 <laughs> so good
0: uh very very true um and then uh you know after all of this she ends up going to a party and the cops raid the party um Women are detained. men uh try to escape across the
1: rooftops, and one of them does not make it.
0: One of them does not make it. um, he falls to his death, and that's part of the big inspiration of like, yeah, I gotta go. I can't be here anymore. Mm-hmm. I cannot be in Iran. I gotta go um and before she leaves, she um you know, she visits the the graves of her grandfather and her uncle. Because her grandfather, another thing, he was, like, a Persian prince uh, before everything went down, uh, like, generations ago. Yeah. Um, so that's also, like, something that lingers in her family. Like, probably should have acknowledged that at the top, but we didn't. Um, but he was killed so that her family couldn't, like, have power, which is, that's so much for someone to, to carry.
1: I think that, like... Yes, absolutely. But I think that when you think about this movie and you think about a lot of stuff like this, like even what we do on the show where it's like, oh, it all comes back to Reagan. And it's like, well, Reagan's just kind of ground zero for a lot of things as we understand that. But like mm-hmm. stuff goes back further. It always goes back further. Like mm-hmm. it's always starts somewhere further back than you think it will.
2: Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And like, that,
1: that's what this movie's all about is like, yes, we're understanding who she is when the movie, film's in color and she's just chilling at the airport. Let's go back further and figure out why. Let's go back further in her family line. Let's go back further in like terms of this country. It all goes back further.
0: Mm-hmm. And so the thing too is, so she's at the airport because she's going to go back and she decides at the last minute not to go and just sits at the airport and just kind of reflects on everything and when she does eventually leave the airport and you know go back home Mm -hmm. um the driver asks her where are you coming from and she says Iran and you know part of why she doesn't go back too is because like you know her mother has forbid her from Mm -hmm. coming back um you know and that's that's also really heavy like that's a that's a heavy burden to carry mm-hmm. and I don't know I think that's also just part of why I love this story this film you know her life her as a person so much is because it's so easy to look at anybody and say like oh you you know you never know the burden somebody is carrying because we don't we don't know what burdens other people are carrying and even with just what she has allowed us to know about her life you know that is um like it's it's like shocking how smart and you know resilient she is um she's just really cool and mm-hmm. I, I found this interview it was with a i want to say like movie web like one of these like movie websites that were interviewing her on like the presser tour when the movie was coming out sure and they were asking her you know how much of this story is real and how much is not and I'm gonna paraphrase here but she was saying that she feels weird calling this like an autobiography because everything that she's talking about every like the stories she's telling are through her perspective and her memory and all of us have imperfect memories and imperfect perspectives definitely and like she's like so i can only remember you know what it looked like from my world as i recall it yeah through my pov that doesn't mean that that is you know the the whole truth and that seems to be kind of her approach to everything is that we can know facts and figures and whatnot we can you know, no, you know, I wore this outfit on school picture day or whatever, but we don't always remember a lot of the other details. We don't know how it fits in with what was going on at the time that day for the rest of our family. Like our memories are imperfect. Our stories are imperfect. And I don't know. There's just something about that that I really really respect in you know not being like this is the whole truth as it happened exactly as it happened yeah and being able to be like i mean this is how i remember it it happening but i mean but just understand that this is just one person's view
1: yeah i mean just in general like i think that's a better approach to biopics
0: mhm I, I mean you know a, a good companion to this is i think a lot about you know you are my first boyfriend where so much of that is about dealing with your memory and seeing like, well, this is how I saw the situation. Mm-hmm. And then you meet the other people and it's like, that's not how I saw the situation at all. Yep. So, you know, she's, you know, talking about other people and it's like, here's who these people are. And it's like, well, we don't actually know those people. Cause we well, don't actually hear think from of them. her one boyfriend. Yeah. And it's like,
1: well, here's what I thought at the time and here's how it changed. And it's which one's the real one. I don't know.
0: Exactly. Like, so we don't know if, you know, the boyfriend that cheated on Marjan was like, actually a horrible person or not like we don't know these things and honestly it's kind of not our place to know these things Mm -hmm. um our place is to observe and to learn and to take away what we take away um we are not here to be the arbiters or you know the the determiners of truth in this situation because it's not our fucking story
1: yeah i think all of this is especially true when you think about how there are multiple conversations with god in this movie Mm-hmm. So it's like, I mean, I remember yelling at God. I don't remember if he had a conversation back with me. And also Karl Marx was there. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, that's also an aspect of this movie. Um, communism is a, is a big deal in this film.
0: hmm Yeah, it sure is. I mean, a lot of different, uh, like, looking at different political ideologies um, are in here. And they're presented very, like, matter-of-fact, too, uh-huh. which I also respect.
1: Yep. I mean, there's also, like, some little kid logic about like wanting to be a communist and that uh, they like end up just like putting nails between their fingers and going to go beat some other kid and pluck his eyes out. And it just seems like a game mm-hmm. because his dad murdered a bunch of people. It's like, I didn't murder people. I murdered communists.
0: Right. And it's like and they're uh, evil.
1: And it's like, uh, wow, there's all. <laughs> sure.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. Like, I just think this movie handles so many different Themes so well and it's just it, as, as you said it's matter of fact
0: mm-hmm. and 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 I think that that's what makes this also so refreshing and because the unfortunate reality is that there have been so many people there are so many people and there will continue to be so many people whose biggest problems in their lives are going to be this fucking big that mm-hmm. are going to be living through things, um, you know we we still see videos from you know people who survived the Holocaust, a Holocaust remembrance day just happened recently, and you know, you get all these videos of the people telling their stories of like, this is what I witnessed, this is what I survived, and you know i'm I'm so fortunate to be alive. Mm-hmm. And it is gut wrenching to know that that's what we're going to be seeing videos of, you know, decades from now, from people in Palestine, from people in, you know, Congo, anywhere that there's been genocide and occupations, you know, we're gonna have people telling these stories about what they saw. And it's going to be presented as Matter of fact, mm-hmm. this is what I lived through. This is well, part of my life. You can't
1: argue with facts. Like, you could try. Right. Like, people do try.
0: Oh, they fucking love and, to. And then
1: the, the Twitter, like, editor's thing is just like, here's the real The truth. community notes just yeah. reading them to filth. Yeah, I do love that. Um People really want to argue facts, and that's just, it's a matter of facts. Uh-huh. Like, it just is what it is. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's
0: it's just a lot and you know this is this has been a really hard episode to record not because like oh this is really difficult material but because you know I, I want to be responsible and I want to do right by the people who are going through this and losing people or or you know throughout time who have lost people mm-hmm. Um, because we don't talk about it nearly enough because you know like you said of you know it's it's difficult or it makes people recoil and like I get that but also we can't avoid it like we have to talk about these sorts of things and I'm so thankful that Persepolis exists because you know it's 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 a matter-of-fact insight that is so human yeah it's so fucking human and it's so heartbreaking and beautiful and funny and difficult and sardonic Mm -hmm. and it's just so many things all at once because that's what life is it is so many fucking things all at once at the exact same time
1: yeah um my favorite quote from the movie i think that we haven't even mentioned is that like we were so desperate for happiness like we didn't realize how we weren't free or whatever it
0: is yeah
1: um yeah you like you can avoid things all you want but like all you're doing is making it so that you aren't aware how how bad it is for you mm-hmm. or how bad it is for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, things will never be better unless you acknowledge how much they suck. Yeah. And guess what? You can't have fun doing that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Unfortunately, happiness is an elevated state, not a constant state. Mm-hmm. And that's how you get shit done, by foregoing it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that sucks, but that's... That's fucking life, man. Like me, I love not knowing things sometimes. Mm-hmm. God, I, I, it is luxurious. Like people ask me questions at work, and I go, "Oh, that's that's not my department. <laughs> that that that's for the that's that's for like the projectionist or like the programmer or something." I just work bar. I love not knowing things. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite fucking things because then I don't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. But god damn it, like it's it's so frustrating that we live in a world where. It is irresponsible, and you suck. If you, if you don't know if things. If you don't know things. Yeah. Um, and I try to know things. I try really hard to know things, but god damn it. <laughs> As is always the case, we are just
0: some idiots trying our best. hmm <laughs> But on that note, Harmony, Persepolis is asking you to the prom, yes, no, maybe, buying her tickets so she can go on her own. I assume I know the answer.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's yeah, fucking, it's, yeah a yes. it's a really good movie.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, it's a fucking great movie. As
1: as, as much of a, like a bad time as this movie is for a lot of its parts, especially if like you think about the deeper, deeper implications of things that are happening in the movie. Yeah,
0: when you let the severity and the weight of what's happening in this movie actually weigh on you, like you get crushed.
1: <laughs> yeah, like it sucks. <laughs> it's bad, but like the movie doesn't suck. The circumstances suck. Um, but at the end of the day, like this is just. I don't know. It's, it feels very human and lived in and just like any other teen girl story. Mm-hmm. And it's punk as fuck. And it's cool. Like it's genuinely punk. Genuinely punk. I <laughs> love something that is genuinely punk as fuck. Because mm-hmm. like I throw that term around for shit that no one would ever call punk as fuck. Because it's all about like fucking what other people think. <laughs> um, yeah. Abba's more punk than the Sex Pistols are. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Way more than John Lydon. <laughs> fuck that guy Ab is so much more punk um, so yeah I just I just think this is a really killer movie and if you have not seen it as I hadn't uh, you are doing a disservice by not, not catching up on that one also let's talk about the Academy Awards real quick I don't want to spend too much time on the Animation Awards because we did that a lot when we talked about Spirited Away mm-hmm. this is still the era where they were only nominating three movies like a year mm-hmm. it lost to Ratatouille And, like, I get it. It's Pixar. They're pretty.
0: And Ratatouille is good.
1: Ratatouille is real good. Put that on the record. (laughs) I understand why Ratatouille won. But we're seeing this a lot more now, now that they've expanded it out to, like, you know, five or six movies every year. And it's Mm -hmm. just like, oh, no, that, like, foreign one that absolutely deserves to win is totally not going to win. It's probably going to go to the really obvious one. Mm -hmm. But maybe it should win hmm Like and then you have something like Surfs Up or Jimmy Neutron or Ice Age, which is like
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some random. You're gonna get
1: outclassed by something that year, but like this deserved a win.
0: Um, it definitely did. Something that I, I I have a lot of feelings about is the fact that the Best Animated Feature Academy Award has never been won by a, an adult animated film. They have all exclusively been all ages. Yeah. Um. Even, like the one that pushes it the most is *Spirited Away*, and even that is definitely like an all ages
1: movie. Um. I mean, even anime from Japan doesn't really get nominations unless it's *Ghibli*. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, this
0: yeah. This year, uh, the nominations are *Spider Verse*. Uh, Elemental Nemona, Boy in the Heron and Robot Dreams which is Spanish. Mm. Um, So you have a Ghibli film and you have a Spanish film and then Pixar Sony based on a giant IP and Netflix queer movie that should not have Existed, Um yeah. But thank God Nimona exists because it I,
1: rules. I love how far we have come in like the last 15 years in terms of diversifying stuff. Like we're still a couple of years away from when they're going to start to consider even having more nominees. I know
0: they need to that. They need to expand that category. I mean,
1: they do in general. I'm talking from 2007, though. Yes. When they were just like, I don't know, three movies, that's enough. There yeah. was only 3 animated movies that year. Okay.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm they have done better since 2007, but until a non all ages animated film wins, I'm still going to be mad. <laughs> I agree. Because there have been some incredible nominees. This really is
1: the category that I give the most shit about during the Oscars every single year. Yeah. Even though, like, the only movie, the the only people I really care about from the Oscars this year is uh, if they give the award to get the Godzilla minus one team. If
0: they don't, I'll be so
1: mad. I really only get excited (laughs) if it's people who shouldn't be nominated because the Academy, like, I put "shouldn't" in big quotes. Right. They they have a real specific thing to, like to pull from. They have specific tastes. Yeah, yeah. So I only (laughs) care if it's some red, some fucking like left field choice where it's like, yeah no give it to them mm-hmm. Parasite go for it yep Marissa Tomei for my cousin Vinny absolutely <laughs> give me something that shouldn't be winning stuff
0: yes I agree completely all right
1: so there's there's our little tangent
0: <laughs> and as always we thank you all so very much for listening to this episode you can find uh, the show on Twitter Instagram and Blue Sky at This Prom. you can follow me on Twitter Instagram
1: Blue Sky TikTok at BJ Colangelo and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Velociraptor or on Blue Sky at Harmony Calangelo.
0: And as always, thank you to the Sonderbombs for allowing us to use Tidal as our theme song. Harmony, what band do you want to check out this week inspired by Persepolis?
1: Right. So for this, I think we need something with like some political energy, some punk energy, and preferably someone who has, you know, some roots in Iran. So I'm shouting out the artist of Nadia Tehran. I believe that pronunciation is correct. I apologize if it's not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, same for the album that we we're focusing on called Dozak All Lovers Hell. Mm-hmm. So, this is somebody that I went looking for specifically to fill a plug for this episode. And they are an artist who combines a lot of like punk with like hip hop and electronic music. And I have given this particular album several listens. Um, Obviously, when it comes to something like this, the tracks that are going to stand out typically are like the poppier ones Mm -hmm, or the mm -hmm. ones with like hooks. Um, For me, that would be Down and Something New, which are towards the start of the album. But I think that there's a great deal more to explore on subsequent listens that I'm looking forward to Mm -hmm. because this is not an artist that is afraid of like dissonance or empty space. And know how much you love dissonance. I do. Well, it makes the dynamics more <laughs> interesting. You're loud by design, yeah, yeah. Not because that you only have one setting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a lot of uh, synthesizers that are very like dreamy, nostalgic '80s soundtrack kind of synths, mm-hmm. but also using melodies that are very traditional, uh, Middle Eastern. Nice. And uh, they also sing in English and in not. <laughs> so yeah, no, big big fan. I played a little bit of this. For BJ, um, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I really like this artist a lot. And when you were telling me that they only have like what, like five thousand Spotify monthly listeners or something, something like very that, low. I was like, that. that's ridiculous. They definitely deserve more because this music is great.
1: Yeah, this album's a bit older. It's like from three or four years ago. But mm-hmm. after the whole thing about um, the album cycle kind of meaning nothing now, I'm like, I'm not so afraid to go a little bit further back. Yeah, that's really fine.
0: And so once again, what is the artist name?
1: That is Nadia Tehran. Perfect. And the album of Dozak All Lovers Hell. Perfect. So they have other stuff too. That's just the one I was listening to.
0: <laughs> Alrighty, y'all. Thank you again for listening. And as always, save that last dance for us. Bye.
1: Bye. This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me.